We would like to acknowledge the terrible people, the traditional owners of the land on which we record Extra Virgin Podcast. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello, I'm Natasha Mirosh. And I'm Sam Donsky. Welcome to Extra Virgin Postcards, where we invite a guest from around the world to share what they love about where they live, the best things to see and do, and where and what to eat. You'll get insights that only a local would know. So whether you're looking for destination inspiration, or you're just armchair travelling, let this Extra Virgin Postcard take you away. Hello, I'm Sylvester Silvestori. I'm sitting in a castle in Puglia, in southern Italy. If you think of Italy as a boot, I'm way down at the bottom between the Adriatic and the Ionian Seas. A little bit about me, I spent 20 years in the U.S., and then I moved back to Italy. And 18 years ago, I opened my first school in the center of Lecce, which so far we've had students from 59 different countries. And we have 14 different courses. And every year we add a new course. This year we're doing how to eat and drink to be 100, working with preventative medicine physicians towards longevity. And then we opened the castle. So we're here about 10 weeks a year. The top part of Puglia is called the Gargano. And it's very much like the American Old West or the Australian Outback. It is a huge, very rough part of land with cactuses and red soil and very mountainous and never been developed. So you can drive for an hour without seeing another human being. Tragically beautiful. Lots and lots of olive trees crashing right down into the Adriatic. And then there's the Salento coastline. It's one of the least developed coastlines in all of Europe. So there are very few hotels on it, very few houses. A lot of people say it looks like Ireland or even Wales, Scotland, because it is such a dramatic shore. So really, Puglia is very much in vogue. And Puglia has been the number one tourist destination domestically for 25 years now. Nowadays, international tourism is happening a lot more. And I think that Puglia was fortunate to stay hidden internationally for so long because I think there's a very cynical view of tourism that it's this place is hot and then this place is not hot. So it's almost like tourists go to a place and that place builds all of its tourist infrastructure. And then people say, oh, no, it's too touristy. I don't want to go there anymore. I think new model for tourism is now spreading out and going to places and really trying to minimize our own impact, taking into consideration our own presence. And there are plenty of parts of Italy that are radically under-touristed, under-traveled, and are just really eager to meet the outside world. One of the things that I like about the Salento, especially the hinterland of the region, is zero tourism. Most people have never met anyone from Germany or Australia or whatever else. So there's not that cynicism of being in front of the Duomo of Florence or whatever. The food and the wine of the Salento are both fascinating. There are very, very little white wine here, and the red wine of the Salento is pink. So these are the oldest pink wines, rosé, it's called Rosato. And the food is, historically, a tremendous amount of legumes. This part of the world was the OPEC of oil. So most of the olive trees in Italy, actually, especially in the south, were originally planted for lamp oil. So if you think about for about 450 years, a lot of Northern Europe filled its lanterns with oil from here. And the reason with oil from here was not just because it was high quality oil, but also because the stone itself, the sedimentary rock, pulled out impurities and so it would burn cleaner. And so all over their underground olive mills where olive oil was pressed 
in a very almost caveman-like technology well into the 20th century. And so you have, like I said, a lot of legumes, a lot of green vegetables, a tremendous amount of vegetables that are unique to here. And uh, you have very large loaves of bread. And so also because we don't have any cake flour or soft winter wheat flour, everything's hard during wheat. The pasta historically is a percentage of about 40% barley flour. And I say about because it changes. Everyone does it slightly differently. And 60% hard drum wheat. And the pasta here has a really low glycemic index. So it spikes your insulin very, very little because the barley slows down the digestion. It is very, very healthy. There isn't any rice. There isn't any polenta. And then there's the coastline where you have fish. Because this has always been relatively poor, fish has never been a huge part of the diet, even in the coastal cities. So what you really have are mussels, lots and lots and lots of mussels. Because I said there's no pigs, no cows, really the protein usually comes from legumes. If it does come from animals, it's often snails, sometimes horse. Puli is the number one consumer of horse meat. But again, it would be something you would have maybe five times a year. As a school, we have a, a garden here, and there's been over the last 80 years a real loss of eating local legumes. So we've been working with farmers to commission them to bring them back. If you plant this one bean for us, we will buy your entire harvest for the year. And usually it's very small, so we can consume it as a school. So what to eat and drink, I would say the very first thing you should do when you're coming to Italy is Google tipica, tipico. So vino tipico. Cucina tipica. So really finding out where you are, what it does well, and really try to go out of your way to have the local thing. There's not a strong culture of restaurants in uh, Southern Puglia. They exist, and there are some that are good, but generally speaking, the best food is had in homes versus restaurants. But we now have a Michelin-starred restaurant in Leche called Bros. And I believe they're going to be in an upcoming Netflix show. I would say there are a couple of, these are complicated words, but let's call it, say, trattoria. They're all the trattoria, osteria, restaurante, all those words mean different things. And very often the meanings have changed over time. But I would say Cosimo in Lecce. I would say Nonetetti. I would be two restaurants that are very traditional. If you have the antipasto, you always, always, always order the antipasto de la casta because you're going to get probably 12 little plates all in little ceramic dishes of 12 different things that are emblematic of where you are and when you're in the slento and leche they're going to be most often vegetables so yeah 10 kinds of vegetables and maybe a couple of little pieces of cheese keep in mind the cheese will be from an hour north you get into the coast my favorite restaurant in gallipoli Gallipoli is actually one of the few towns that still has a major fishing fleet uh, it's called marichiaro and it's a restaurant built on stilts, right, as you're arriving into the city. And Old Tranto, L'Altro Baffo, the, uh, the other mustache. So to lick your lips in English is to lick your mustache in Italian. And it's a secondary restaurant right next to the Duomo, which if you go to Old Tranto, has the largest mosaic in all of Europe. So you absolutely need to go to Old Tranto. If you can only go to one seaside town in the Slento, make it Old Tranto. The historic center is protected by UNESCO. It's a large mosaic. It's very, very beautiful. But I would say if you can swing it, if you have that distant cousin, if you have the friend who's a cousin, if you can get into a household, that's where Puglia really excels because you'll probably be eating off the plastic plates and there'll probably be a paper tablecloth, but there'll also be 15 people at the table and everyone will be yelling and food will go on for three hours. Most of the food culture in this land was actually had in homes. And if you can swing your way into one of those, 
I would absolutely do that. Another misnomer that a lot of people outside of Italy think that the North is where all the educated people live and the South is all the farmers. And it's exactly the opposite. So in the North, you have a lot of industry. So you don't even need to graduate from high school and you can find a factory job. In the South, you have high unemployment virtually for your higher education. So most people have university degrees and, and most people have multiple degrees. So it's a very, very educated part of the world. And Leche, I said, was the capital of the Salento. And uh, because of that sedimentary rock, the entire Salento cuts it up and builds out of it. And it glows very yellow, and you have salt leaching out of it over time. So the city of Leche is very beautiful. The other thing that's really special about Leche is it was very poor, and then it had wealth, and then it was very poor, and then it had wealth. And it never really had a trickle of money coming into it. And so after the olive oil, lamp oil money started coming in in the 1600s, early 1700s, you had a lot of building and it was all built in one style. So if you go to most Italian cities, you're going to have six, seven or eight different epochs of architectural styles. Lake is just really one. So it really does feel like a much more like a movie set or even something theatrical, a Puccini opera or something like that, because everything is in the exact same style. If you're coming here, I would say the best time of year to come is out of season. The best time of year for food and wine is certainly out of season. If you're coming here in August and it's 40 degrees, red wine doesn't make much sense. The fish are in there. If you look at the reproductive cycles, they're at the worst. All the citrus is going to be imported from South America. So coming here, I would say, if you already live in a place that has a seaside, then that's not going to be the driver as much as it is if you're, say, living in England and want to come down here because the weather's nice and the water doesn't hurt when you go in, then that's probably going to really point to summer months. So if you've been to Italy before, my guess is that you came with a laundry list of things that you wanted to see, and there are a tremendous amount of things to see here and do here. But it's also really high on atmosphere and really high on lifestyle. So if you really wanted to take a couple of weeks and understand why Italy is so seductive. I think Puglia really excels as the place to live the Italian lifestyle and what you can take away and take back to your home and incorporate it as far as food, wine, spending time with family, spending time with loved ones, taking time out of your day to enjoy it. All of those things. I don't think there's any place better than Puglia. I would also suggest before you come, follow on social media the hotel where you're going to stay or the cooking school you're going to go to or the winery that you want to drink because all these people are working really hard to show you their menus, to show you that they have a pool behind the hotel and whatever else. And so you can take advantage of that because there's that aching to communicate to the outside world. So finding those things ahead of time and arriving better informed will make your trip better. And also you'll be taking advantage of what's done well here. So that would be my insider tip. I normally do a two-month bicycle trip around the South every year. This year I've been going by car. I've been visiting each one of the regions once a month with the exception of lockdowns. So yes, yeah, so I'm seeing the South in ways that I've never seen it before. And it'd be really hard to convince me that the South is not the best part of Italy. So it's a very, very special part of the world. Thank you.